Tell your friends. The Mark and Max Show is back and better than ever. Are you ready? LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max Show. Good to have you along for the ride. We were talking off air about a number of different things that kind of got us both sidetracked. Yeah, really. But, you know, it just <laughs> happens sometimes. Ah! And yeah. Hey, we're on. Dude, you know, Mark, there was this movie called Heroes. Yeah. And I was telling you about it. You know, it came out in 1977. And it's it's not a movie that a lot of people saw when it first came out. It was Henry Winkler um, when in his Fonzie days. Like, uh, Happy Days was in its third season, okay? Right. And w- here's where here's my line of my thought process, okay? That stream of consciousness that is my brain, all right? I've been kind of... It's a scary, American, place. It's a scary well, place sometimes. Been on kind of an American graffiti kick because it's on HBO yeah. in one of their vaults, right? So I've been watching it. And I've watched some behind-the-scenes stuff because I've tried to figure out how did George Lucas get... From that flop of a sci-fi movie that he made, and you know, before American Graffiti, then he comes oh, in and he, yeah, yeah and then he does Ameri- THX eleven thirty. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, THX, uh, and it doesn't have, it's not a hit. No, and so he, but he writes and gets has other people help write American Graffiti. Lucas actually was, you know, behind that whole movie, right. and the only way they could get it made, get any kind of money for it, was if he got his friend Francis Ford Coppola to sign on as a producer. Because huh. Coppola had just done The Godfather. And so without Coppola saying, okay, you put my name on it, he wouldn't have gotten money to do the movie. Right. So American Graffiti, at, for the longest time, was the most profitable movie of all time. Right. Okay. And it starred Ronnie Howard, yeah. Richard Dreyfus, um, Cindy Williams, mm-hmm. who went on to fame as Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Shirley. Anyway, and, it, and Harrison Ford. Yeah. So I've been on that kick. Well, that led me in my little brain to Happy Days. And I thought how funny it was. <laughs> That because I had never seen American Graffiti, but I did watch Happy Days as a kid, you yeah. know, and you had uh, Ron Howard playing Richie Cunningham. And then they have a guest spot with Laverne and Shirley, you know, the two fun girls. Yeah. And they then um, end up on their own spinoff. So my thought was, I don't rem- I remember the episode that Laverne and Shirley were on, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering, did Cindy Williams, was she Ronnie Howard's date on Happy Days? Mm. Because they were the couple in American Graffiti. Right. So, I don't, I don't remember that episode clearly enough. I just don't, I do remember okay. the episode. I remember that all happening, but I don't remember if she was his date. Yeah, me mm-hmm. either. But anyway, so I just thought how weird it was and you know, blah, blah, blah. But then yeah. in my little brain, okay, once again, following down his path, like, Hey, Henry Winkler did this movie that I loved called right. heroes. Yeah. And it also had Harrison Ford <laughs> and eh, oddly enough, Sally field. Yep. The funniest part of all is that Sally field in the movie heroes plays a, a runaway bride <laughs> the, the, the same thing she played in Smokey and the bandit yes. okay now Smokey and the That's bandit funny. and um heroes and star wars all came out the same year hmm. so it just again one of those little weird moments and then that led me to kansas and their song carry on right and to john elefante right. christian lead singer of the band who did not was not the lead singer on that song he right. joined kansas after that that's why i was starting with mark early today yeah, was, yeah, yeah. when did elefante join that band i'm trying yeah. to figure it out okay <laughs> there, just so you know that's where my brain went yeah <laughs> and the thought was why is it that as christians when we have somebody who is also a christian that is in a secular movie or a secular band and they yeah. become a big star or whatever why do we act like we're the dorks at the, the dork know. table? And all of a sudden, one of the cool kids is joining us at our table in the cafeteria. 
<laughs> Why do we feel like that? I don't know. Because we do. We yeah. pointed out, hey, so-and-so became a Christian. So-and-so yeah. is a Christian. You know, right. it, it's not so much that we're saying, hey, they, they know the truth. Right. It's we're saying a cool person has now joined our table. Right. Yeah. It, we isn't ought it, not think like that. Isn't that odd? It's mm-hmm. very odd. And it's sometimes it's, it's detrimental. You know, yes. like people like B.J. Thomas and uh, mm-hmm. and there have been a handful of others. Uh, Bob yeah. Dylan is one of them. And uh, mm-hmm. and who else? Uh, oh, nuts, nuts, nuts. I think maybe Dion DiMucci was another one. But yeah. but people who really high profile stars who mm-hmm. who embrace faith. And then all of a sudden they're overwhelmed by the dork squad. You know, yes. the, the freaks yes. and geeks at table what mm-hmm. from the wedding yes. singer? You know, yep. we we just yeah. overwhelm them, and they all just go whoa, whoa, whoa! If this is what this is about, yes. then you yeah. know, and they back away, and some of them eventually say, "Yeah, well, I tried that," and they yeah, were just, I, they were just too freaky, and I just they were know. not what I that yeah that was exactly not the, that was not the faith i signed on for I, <laughs> exactly you know, anyway, like, and then this time at band camp, and then this time at band camp, and then this time at band camp. You know, <laughs> there we are. So, welcome to the Mark and Max Show, your life radio version of Bandcamp. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max Show. And, Mark, I want to follow up on something. We were, uh, okay. All right, a few minutes ago, we were talking about just, I don't know. Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah. But back in the early 80s, um, Amy Grant, had hit so hard in Christian music yeah. with El Shaddai. That's yes. the age to age album. But yes. El Shaddai was just this monster of mm, a song. Was, yeah. Beautiful song still to this day. And she was a teenager, you know? Yep. And um, a couple of years after that, she released a non-Christian album yeah. well, that had a song called That's What, yeah. no, no, That's What Love Is For. See, people forget that. <laughs> what you're yeah. thinking about is Baby Baby that came out in 1990. Right. I, mm-hmm. Way before that. That's what Love is For came out. Mm-hmm. And she sang a duet with Peter Cetera from right. Chicago. I remember and that. I remember the uproar. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't really, it, it, there was a lot of hoopla about it, but not a lot of, uh, it, it didn't go well. And the reason it didn't go well was Christian people rejected her uh-huh. and uh, non Christian. Her husband. Right. <laughs> yeah, and non Christian people were like, what is this? You know? And so <laughs> I'm, it's like I, I now being a Christian in you know in life uh, is is pervasive. It's not something you just pull out on Sunday, right? Uh, but during the eighties, I wasn't living the life at all. I knew the truth. I just wasn't living it mm-hmm. at all, yeah. not even close. And but the one thing that is still you know I looked at music and things like that because that's what I did in radio and everything. And so sure. when they would the the record label would try to push a Christian artist, okay, yeah. And what they would do is, especially if they found out you were a believer, you know, um, they would really work that angle. But during the eighties, it was a mockery of it. It was like, really, they're going to push this down our throats again. You know, uh, it was because you had a a couple of bands that that it was almost like an alternative to, to real music, you know? And Hey, but here's Petra. Petra (laughs) is really big in the rock in, in the Christian rock world. And you're like, okay. So I went to a Petra concert and went, Okay, they're not bad, but they're not as good as metal bands, you know, right, if that's yeah, your thing. Yeah. And so anyway, the when when Amy Grant first tried to cross over, it wasn't the hit. It was Baby Baby that came out that made because it was a number one hit right. and just it scored huge. Well, you and I you told me a number of things because you were doing Christian radio at the time. Oh yeah. And there was a real backlash to her doing that, wasn't there? Oh it? yeah, there really was. Uh like I I said a few minutes ago, people were upset uh, because she's singing this song to Peter Cetera. 
and it's not her husband, who at the time was Gary Chapman, who we have met and spent some time oh. with, and we kind of understand yeah. the you know some of the back the back yeah. story of what happened and why they ended up getting split up. Yeah. But by the way, his fault. He yeah, claims it. He he, yeah, he owns it. He really does. And uh, so uh, I, the. I remember getting the phone calls. You know, that's not her husband. Are you going to stop right. playing her music? Well, we're not going to listen to you, you guys until you stop playing her music. Right. And I'm like, wow, man, what? <laughs> really? I mean, well, it's it's called it's 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 performance. It's a performance, yeah. right? This yeah. is this is entertainment. It's not the real world. Yeah. Please don't get the two mixed up. Okay. That's so funny because yeah. you know the thing is the the duet that she did with Peter Cetera, you know, was a big big hit. Yeah. You know, and but. It wasn't nearly the baby baby hit. Oh no, that was a no. duet. You know, yeah, that was a duet. Yeah, and it was the solo baby baby that just really launched. But yeah. my whole thing that I was getting to is that um, by the time, if you can imagine this, I got sober August seventh, nineteen ninety. Right, and it was not a very far leap for me to you know a lot of forgiveness, a lot of repentance, <laughs> a lot of time on my hands and knees begging to. I couldn't even forgive myself for a long time, but yeah. you know. The thing is, is that while I was still, I was in my career in top 40 radio doing mornings and doing a lot of, (laughs) anyway, bottom line, once I was a little more public in my faith, uh, record promoters, you know, the record labels, they would work it from that angle. Hey, Dave, (laughs) um, you know, (laughs) they're salesmen, they're looking for any opportunity. (laughs) And it's like, so I'd known these guys for years, you know, I had known them for years and it was funny because a number of us were at different con- radio convention things and we had done some really stupid things. And it's like four of us who had been kind of crazy. Mm. We all got sober within a couple of months of one another. And so we had been at one conference in like 1989. And by 1990, when we went to the, the next year's, co- we were all sober and living a, you know, yeah. a much different life. <laughs> And so we're not hitting the bar. We're not, we actually were going, Hey, you know where an AA meeting is, you know, and, uh, where, where, where's church? Is there a church around here? We can go to tomorrow. You know, that kind of thing. Yes. It was just kind of funny. So these guys right. who I had been at the dregs of society with now, it's like, we're experiencing all this together and it was great. Oh my word. It was so awesome. And we ended up sharing, I shared my faith more yeah. that weekend than I think I have ever any time since. Right. Because, well, people started coming up to me. Hey, I heard you're not doing that anymore. Right. Really? Yeah. You know, well, you quit I, drinking. Why? Yes. Yeah. And oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I wasn't like carrying around a sign, right, but I may yeah. as well have had a name tag. Dave, I used to be a, you know, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so for the next couple of years, I would get a call from a record promoter saying, Hey, we got this, uh, Michael W. Smith record, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and it's like, or Kathy Tricoli, um, yeah. and, uh, a number of Christian artists that they were working that were actually having success by the way, in mm-hmm. the early nineties. Yeah. And anyway, it just became a normal thing. And at uh, the whole while I was looking at it from a secular angle going, if it's good enough, and there are so few that are actually good enough, right. that'll play. Yeah. And that was the biggest issue. But Michael W. Smith, Kathy Tricoli, Amy Grant, yeah. they all had major hits because the music stood on its own. Yes. And it was that quality that gave them the opportunity to yeah. then share their faith. Yeah. That's how our life, we're not supposed to be, right. and that time at band camp, and this time, we're not supposed <laughs> to be at the dork table. We're supposed to live our life and yeah. be excellent at it and be yeah. so that people go, I, wow. I want what you have. You seem to be really filled with joy and peace. And mm-hmm. you're, you know, what, what's different? What do yeah. you do? 
And yeah. then that's where we should be. We should not be the dorks at the table. You know, we should be the ones living a successful life right. that others look at and go, I want that. Mm -hmm. Not by us. Like, uh, oh, who was the guy um, used to sing with new song? Uh, you and I had a lot of fun with him. He oh, sang. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Not caring. Anyway, anyway, he yeah. talked about going to Sanford, uh, in Birmingham carrying or in high school. And then later in college, carrying a huge King James version of the Bible, you know? <laughs> yeah. So people knew yeah, that's who he is. Yeah. And it's like, you don't do that. That's not, yeah. that's not real. But no, anyway. like, like I like to say, people ask you that question. So, so what's different about you? And uh, you ask, you ask a question back. You really want to know? Mm -hmm. and, and they say, yeah, okay, well, I'll buy lunch. And then you sit down and talk with them and you open the door of opportunity by developing that curiosity because not because you're weird, but because there's something about your life that is attractive and that then, and, and they want to know what, okay, what happened to you? That's the big dip difference right there. Life radio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. Sometimes we drift off into things while the music's playing, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, hey, song's going to go. Very <laughs> <laughs> show prep really pays off. Hey, man, a lot of uh, interesting conversations about Alec Baldwin on the set of Rust, oh, gosh. Uh, where I um, I actually have not gotten into the argument phase of this yet, mm -hmm. but um, some friends, some radio friends were talking about it back and forth, and, you know, pointing their bony finger of righteous indignation at different individuals. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? The, there's a number of things because, you know, the prosecutor has said, Mark, that they're not taking charges off the table. You know, right, yeah. uh, Alec Baldwin on the set during a rehearsal, by the way, they were rehearsing the scene. Right. And people have wondered, why was he pointing the gun at, you know, this cameraman, uh, the, the woman who died? Right. And he wasn't pointing at her. It was you're talking about a Western film. The they were rehearsing the camera angle because he, they wanted a full on shot where the, he's pointing the gun at the camera. So right, it's the yeah. point of view of the individual who's getting ready to be shot. Yeah. That's the setup. Then he pulls the trigger, but a lot of, uh, discussion has been going on about, uh, the armorer, the mm. woman who was actually arming, uh, the guns. And it, I, I saw a comment and this is what made my, you know, got the hairs on the back of my neck standing up mm -mm. angry because there was a comment about her being young. He said she's only 22 or whatever, 23. And I'm like, age has so nothing to do with this. Yeah. You know, it, in terms of if you're going to play the blame game. Yeah. She was an armorer on the set of this movie, meaning she's in charge of the weapons. Right. Yeah. And there actually is, um, I had to look it up because I didn't, I was wondering like many, okay, how did a live gun with a live round in it end up in the hands of Alec Baldwin? Mm -hmm. And sadly, because Baldwin is an anti-gun person, right? Um, he doesn't know how to handle them. No, and so I'm not. I'm not saying he's not to blame because he. I believe the only person really to blame when a gun is when a gun is used to kill somebody is the person who pulls the trigger. Right. That is the one person who is ultimately responsible for what happens. Yeah. And whether you love guns or hate guns, it's your pulling of the trigger that caused the bullet to come out of the end of that thing and kill somebody. Yeah. Now it could have been everybody else's responsibility that you're trusting to have done their job. Mm -hmm. But if you're holding a weapon, you know, Oh, it's cold. Nothing right. in it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You still check it, Mark. Yeah. If I handed you a gun and said, yeah, it's empty. You would check it. Absolutely. I'll give you any, 
there was yeah. a gun for years hanging at my mother-in-law's house, a rifle. Okay. Yeah. And one of the kids took it down. Now, everybody assumed it was empty because here it is hanging up and there's always kids around here. It has right, been hanging yeah. up forever. And one of the kids picked it up. Now, like everyone else, I assumed it was empty. Obviously by now, you know, it wasn't empty. All right. <laughs> yeah. Kid picks it up and I stopped him. I'm like, okay, here's a teachable moment. It's Thanksgiving. I'm going to teach him something. Right. I grab the, as I see him grab, I grab it and everybody's yeah. like, oh, leave him alone. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, you guys, come on, stop your bins. Yeah. <laughs> I grabbed it. And I said, look, before you take any gun, you have to make sure you're the first thing you do is check to make sure it's not loaded. Mm. Make sure there's nothing in the clip, nothing in the barrel. You know, you got to check this. Exactly. Here's how you do it. Yeah. Here's how you check a rifle. The gun was loaded. And the thing is, it had been there for a long time. Yeah. And people assumed it was not loaded. But had he pulled that trigger, I don't even know if it would have fired Mark. Okay. Yeah. But he could have very easily have pulled the trigger and hit somebody. Yeah. Wouldn't and and yes, it would have been the child's fault for pulling the trigger. But in that case, it would have been the responsibility of every adult in the room. You right. know. Yeah. Anyway, knowing that if you know you handle guns all the time, the first thing you do when somebody hands you a gun doesn't mm -hmm. matter what they say, you automatically check it. Yeah. Yeah, you drop the magazine, pull the slide back, or you check the uh, the chambers. The you you just check it. You just look. Yeah. You know. Yep. And uh, and that's the problem with somebody who is a rabid rabid anti gunner. They know nothing right. about how guns work. Yeah. They may have a lot of assumptions based on <laughs> on yeah. nothing on smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And uh, they just they trust someone else to right. check that for them, and that's the big mistake. You yep. never and trust, you know, because if somebody has bad intentions or they're just lazy, you're going to hurt somebody. Yeah. Which is what it's, it looks, it's, this is what it's looking like happened here. And the thing is, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, um, actually her dad, um, is a prominent Hollywood armorer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, his name is Thel Reed and he has done a lot of film and TV work over the years. And so she's no rookie at this. She's been raised around them, but this was only her second time as being the lead armor, the head person on a movie set. Yeah. The first time, uh, it was on a Nicholas cage film. That's getting ready to come out. It's called the old way. Mm. And on her very first movie, she caused a temporary shutdown Uh oh. because while she was the armor on the movie, the cast saw her with a gun on the ground, checking it and loading it. And because of the dirt, they were like, there could be pebbles in this thing. Mm. You know, it's like they were concerned. And then she handed this gun that was now really questionable if it should be used, handed to an 11 year old mm. on the set. The director shut it down. Wow. So that's not how you do this. There right. actually is a, yeah. you know, there's a real way of doing it on a set, right. yeah. which is very involved. Anyway, yeah. the, everything is wrong. Anyway. So the, from the armorer to the shooter yeah a lot of rules were broken and uh, a lot of people that should have known better and god love them i hate it for everybody involved i truly do yeah uh, there's not one person that wanted this to happen it, and i'm not you know i don't want to blame alec baldwin i don't particularly care for his personal outlook on a lot of things but you know what ultimately he pulled the trigger yeah and he said they handed him a cold gun well he should have checked he should have he but because he's not a gun owner mm. He doesn't know that's what you do. Exactly. So there you go. Now you've got one person dead, another person injured, and a whole industry is now saying, well, we won't have, you know, hot guns on set anymore. And I'm like, yeah. why did they do that anyway? Mm -hmm. Especially, you don't need to have a real gun on a set. Yeah. Ever. 
It's just asking for trouble in my book. Yeah. But anyway, holy cow, man. I just hate that. I, I really do. It bothers me that, um, that there is, there are going to be charges. And if I, I don't know how I'd feel if, if that was, if that was my family member, my, my wife that was killed on a movie set, I'd probably end up in prison too. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mag Show. Thanks for joining us. But, you know, we ask that you share this with a friend. Just uh, post it up on social media. You know, listening to the Mark and Mag Show on LifeRadio.fm. We would love that. Um, Mark, every now and again, I know you put a story on here just to make my palms sweat. I do. I know you do that. Mm -hmm. I know. You look around. I think you search making Dave sweat. I don't necessarily search, but I do take advantage when one pops up. Yes, I do. The world's largest and highest Ferris wheel. Yeah, baby. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Everything. But then again, <laughs> there are Ferris wheels around the world, like the uh, the Florida Orlando Eye, the uh, Tianjin Eye in China. In London, there's the London Eye. They're huge, mongous Ferris wheels. They let tourists see sights from way up above. Actually, you're not in a seat. You're in an enclosed, like a carriage thing, with all glass <laughs> in, and they get up way high. The Dubai Eye is new. It's, it's almost double the size of the London Eye. It can welcome 1,750 visitors at a time. That's what? how many people can be loaded onto this Ferris wheel. It's that big. What? Mm-hmm. It's breaking a record. It is the new biggest tallest fairest wheel in the world um, but breaking world records isn't new in dubai this uh, this part of the united arab uh, arab emirates already boasts the nearly 12 million square foot du uh, dubai mall uh, uh, it's the biggest one in the world has a gigantic aquarium in it the you know uh, what's really the, cool what's that is eventually it's going to be the world's largest empty mall you know <laughs> <laughs> that's right and uh, all the senior citizens will have nowhere to walk anymore um, the uh the, also there's the burj uh khalifa it also holds the record for the world's largest tower among other achievements there the dubai eye took almost eight years to build it takes hmm. 38 minutes to make one rotation wow yeah hey, wow trust me you won't be riding it no, <laughs> seventeen hundred fifty people. I, yeah. I, I, I that's just nuts, man. Yeah. I mean, I get it trying to set world records and everything, but you know, <laughs> I just no, <laughs> I just no, no, <laughs> I can't do it, man. Uh, wow. <laughs> Life Radio FM. It's the Mark and Mac Show, and. You know, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Mark has made sure that uh, the liferadio.fm website includes the daily Bible reading. Yeah. Uh, I used to refer to it as a study, but it, it's not a Bible no, study. It's, it's Bible it's, reading. It's reading and through it's, the Bible in a year. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. But uh, check that out. And there is oh. an audio version. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and uh, a side sidebar here, and that is that I've had a couple of people ask, hey, is there an app version? Can you put that on your app? You know, because we have the Life Radio yeah. app. And no, we can't because it's not our material. I mean, right. we just refer you to somebody else's uh, Bible program. And so, and we don't have the licensing for it, so we can't. But you, there are a bunch of great apps out there. So, and I, I actually posted some on social media the other day, and I'm working on rearranging things a little bit on the, <clears throat> on the Bible, daily Bible reading page. I've actually, it's kind of a work in progress right now. So I'm, I'm going to provide you with links to apps you can download to your phone for that purpose as well. So you're going to have some more options. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, 
Tom Brady has been in the NFL uh, for many, many years. He's, you know, he's now like 158 years. Actually, in, in football dog years, he's 1,100 years old, okay? But now every time he set, steps on the field, it's like he's setting new records. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is used as the example of uh, a guy who was never, he, he always had to fight for everything he got in terms of high school, college, all the way to the pros. You know, he wasn't drafted in the top. Uh, in, he wasn't drafted in the first round for a few rounds. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he's that story. Yeah. And he's used as an example for many young people about, you know, don't give up on your dreams and things like that. But anyway, the long right. story short is now all these years later, you know, he spent his entire career with New England, uh, the Patriots, until they were like, OK, dude. You're in your 40s. Uh, mm-hmm. How many years you got left, right? <laughs> and so he leaves and go to the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Buccaneers, and first year out of the box, he takes them to the Super Bowl and they win. You know, uh-huh. like, see, and and they, you know, so anyway, now he he's out there and pretty much every game he's setting new records. Yeah, pretty much. Well, last weekend, last Sunday, he actually threw his 600th career touchdown pass. Holy now, smokes! This is a ball that goes to can uh, the hall of fame you know yeah yeah and it it's funny because watching the highlight what it's kind of like what happened next you know it was <laughs> well, like oh well, what, no what happened next was it wide receiver mike evans handed the ball to some fan in the stands yeah <laughs> he said later he didn't pick up on the on the landmark moment yeah, i mean it didn't occur to him oh it's number 600 so he yeah. decided to uh, bestow what he thought was a routine touchdown ball upon a buccaneer fan who was wearing his number oh that guy's wearing my number here's the ball buddy you congratulations so a team employee was sent out to negotiate with the recipient uh, one byron kennedy a 29 year old resident in internal medicine at Largo Medical Center near St. Petersburg, Bucks coach Bruce Ar- uh, Arians told the Tampa Bay Times he suggested the employee trade two of Brady's jerseys. What mm-hmm. Kennedy ended up with, according to the Athletics' Greg Allman, was a different game ball and a one thousand dollar gift card to the Bucks store. He did some negotiating. Yeah, he did. <laughs> the actual value of the ball, though. memorabilia specialist ken golden tweets it could easily go for five hundred thousand dollars yep so he got he got a different ball and a thousand dollar gift card for a half million dollar football and you know what though (laughs) this is one of those moments where my first thought was okay guys i got it now you know let's let's play ball yeah but really and truly the well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would have held out for more. I'm trying to make good out of this, but no, nah, man. You're telling me I'm holding the lottery ticket, but I'm going to give it back because you're a not. I know. Everybody on the field is making more in, the, <clears throat> in this game than I'm going to make over the next five years of my career. Uh, so, yeah, you want the ball? I want the lottery. Let's play, you know. <laughs> what's a million to you, okay? A million to you is nothing. A million to me changes my life. There you go. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark when we get up and do our thing every day and i mentioned this you know we're very thankful at the occupation the job the career however you want to look at it what we do to make a living what we do to buy our chicken i guess <laughs> and i worked for a guy one time that owned a, a number of kfc i we became partners yeah. in a radio station and uh anyway the long story short is he owned 
a whole bunch. Of, like when I was broke, it was they ain't no food on the table. Right. When he was broke, it was like I'm gonna have to sell this apartment complex out in Houston <laughs> that you know my brother and I own. It's worth about twelve million. You know, right. that was the difference. Different so, worlds. Yeah, different. <laughs> and I tried to explain it. He tried to empathize, but no, nah, he couldn't. No. Nah. Yeah. Anyway. So we're talking about chicken. He wanted me to try this you know, new KFC thing. And I told you before, I right, went, yeah. I spent many, many years not being able to eat KFC. And uh, anyway, there were two discussions we had that stick out. One was uh, KFC became KFC because they decided that fried was the new F word. You yeah. got to drop that. Yeah. And so Kentucky fried chicken became KFC. Right. Meanwhile, Hardee's comes along with their all new fried chicken, which was really good. And they were kicking it. Yeah. And he's like, you know. He's having to go along with this whole KFC thing. He goes, they're profiting by the very thing we walked away from, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And by the way, they only cut theirs in half. You cut yours into thirds. But beyond that, yeah. friend, talking about the chicken breast. Yeah. With uh, KFC, they had this new honey barbecue sauce, and they were doing a test market. So they were testing it in his KFCs so they could get a good reaction. And he wanted me to try it. And I was like, well, what do you think of it? You know, do you like it? He goes, Dave. <laughs> chickens ain't for eating they're for selling you know i'm like what and it was just one of those things where you know you're going okay <laughs> so That's i had to be the funny. guinea pig That's yeah funny. and loved it it was awesome but anyway so whenever i see a kfc story i think of my buddy and i think about how much i learned from him and That's you great. know yeah. That's awesome. So that reminds me of a time my dad's my dad's going fishing with a buddy of his and he stops in his tackle shop. I'll get back to KFC. He uh he stops in a tackle shop and at that time there was a Budweiser beer can lure that was just a, a novelty thing that was really popular because Bud was sponsoring bass fishermen or something like that, and they had this Budweiser beer can lure. And he walks up to the counter with it and holds it up and says, Does this thing really catch fish? And the guy behind the counter says, Buddy. I ain't in the business of catching fish. I'm in the business of catching fishermen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Now, a KFC customer is facing felony burglary and child abuse charges after allegedly wow. striking a teenage worker. There's your child abuse wow. in the neck because she was unhappy with the service at the KFC drive through window. Wow. 23-year-old Alexandra Maldonado was arrested Friday afternoon following the confrontation at a KFC near her St. Petersburg home. Investigators allege that Maldonado, displeased with the service, walked up to the drive through window and hit the 16-year-old victim, causing a visible uh, red mark uh, one inch by four inches in size. Maldonado, who works at a Metro PCS store, reached into the drive through window to strike the girl. And there's your trespassing. The, the crime was captured on surveillance video, according to a criminal complaint. Wow. Maldonado was arrested after her car was pulled over by the cops. She reportedly admitted to the offense, and uh, she's been charged with child abuse for striking the minor. She wow. was also hit with a burglary count. That was the burglary count for entering the KFC, uh, which was closed with the exception of the drive through window. <laughs> And she was freed from the county wow. jail Saturday morning after posting $15,000 bond. Wow. That was some expensive chicken. Dude, I'm just thinking, what makes people think that their first, you know, the violence is the answer to this? I, I mean, really, Mark, where do you, you're 23 years old, and, and I get it, you you got years to mature, but really what makes you think yeah. that, you got bad service at the drive-thru that your only recourse yeah. is to physically manhandle the the employee. I, I, 
I don't understand either. And this is, you know, you and I both have seen video after video after yeah. video of customers walking up to the counter and just destroying things, mm-hmm. just picking things up and throwing yeah. them at the employees and, 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 yeah. and ripping the clothes off employees and things like that. What is going on? Why, yeah. why is this happening? Or, you know, is, or are we just seeing more of it because of social yeah. media? I think we're seeing more of it. I, yeah. I think crazy has been going on a long time. Yeah. But I, I do think that there are, um, there are many things that are, are coming unglued. Yeah. You know, people are on edge yeah. and I mean, look, we've all got bad service. We've all had, you know, bad experiences at different places mm. and, uh, you know, it happens. You can have one employee having one bad service with one person, you know, it yeah. really can, it can go down. I mean, and I, I look, I'm not a, I'm, I am not ashamed to say that I have occasionally lost my cookies when right. I'm waiting on something, right, yeah. but I don't show it like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I might just be extra. I might be stern or <laughs> kind of silent. I might get a grunt or a shrug. Just take my money and leave me alone. You know, right. Because I know nothing good is going to come out of what I'm thinking about saying or doing, you know, no, and there, no. there's no good. And so this person actually had the time yeah. park their car, walk back to the drive through window. Exactly. I mean, there was a lot of time where oh, they yeah. could have chosen an op- another option. Yep. But it was, no, I'm going to get violent right now. Huh? Yep. Well, how are you going to explain that one in church? You know? <laughs> <laughs> liferadio.fm mark and mac show and uh butamus day in the neighborhood we got cold front coming through right yeah you mentioned you mentioned it yesterday so i started looking it up you know yeah it's in it's in the overnight lows in the 40s now yeah i think it's supposed to get down to the low 40s we tell you we we actually are in southeast uh the southeastern part of the united states and i say that because we've got people in canada puerto rico london we've got (laughs) folks spread out i want to make sure you know where we are now for those of you in the states we are in alabama right which means all of your redneck jokes have to have a punchline for Georgia, Mississippi, or Tennessee. Okay, <laughs> pretty much. And, and then when and, it, and yeah, that's and, when a comic comes to Alabama. When a comic goes to Georgia, it's Alabama. You know. And I'll tell you what I tell people who give me grief online about where I live. Oh yeah, we have NASA. Yeah. You? <laughs> I don't see. I don't. I quit doing that, man. I'm like, I'm afraid they're going to come here. You know? Because look what happened to oh, Texas. No. Texas. Texas bragged about we're we're conservative, God, country, all that. Yeah. You know? And next thing you know. Now they're fighting for their bar- their lives in yeah, in, in Texas. Yeah. Hey, um, did you see out at uh, Walgreens in Texas where a man went with his prescription for ivermectin from his doctor mm, yeah. and wanted to get it filled, and the Walgreens pharmacist in Texas said, "Nope, not yeah. going to fill it." Yeah, I think that's policy okay. for the company. Yeah. yeah, but here's the deal. Okay, while they it is policy for the company, we're not filling it for that. And uh, I a lot of people were saying, "You've got to turn that guy in." It's a, it's the law. If it's written by a doctor, they have to fill it, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the great state of Texas, you want to talk about unintended consequences of a law. When the uh, morning after pill mm, came out, yeah. a number of politicians said, you know what? Th- this goes against everything, you know, and uh, we right. we don't want a child. You know, yeah. we want to make sure that, gotcha. uh, that a child can't just come in and do this, whatever. Even if it's a prescription written by a doctor, the pharmacist has a right to say, no, I'm not selling this to you. And that was the law. And it was specifically created to prevent this abortion pill. Okay. Right. Being sold to children without mom and dad knowing. And while that makes good sense, you know, it has been used now to prevent, hmm. Uh, people from getting ivermectin 
even if it is from a doctor. So in Texas, it is perfectly legal for a licensed pharmacist at a legal pharmacy to deny filling your prescription written by a legitimate doctor. Wow. It's legal. So uh, the reason I'm sharing that is my first knee jerk reaction was I'm not a boycotter, but it was, Hey, find out who this guy is and let's make sure that, that, that parent company knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, they (laughs) go ahead because they can all do it. They don't Mm. have to fill any script because of this law that was created for one purpose. Wow. Okay. And same thing with the bathroom law, you know, that uh, be the right. whole yeah. the whole LGBTQIA bathroom thing started when a man walked into a woman's locker room in Charlotte, North Carolina, and started taking pictures of moms and their daughters in various stages of undress. They arrested him, finding out that, well, you can't charge him with any because it's not against the law. So they passed a law saying men can't go into the ladies' bathroom. Right. There you go. That's why the law was passed. And within days, you had the whole yeah. LGBTQIA. So yeah. unintended Just consequences crazy, of certain laws. Crazy yeah. town. Yeah. Giving you the old heads up. Yeah. All right. Yes. Crazy town. You know, we were talking about uh, KFC in the last in the last uh, yeah. break. And, I, and it reminded me of the story uh, that I told you that uh, there was one time that my dad and stepmom were visiting from Pensacola. And uh, he said, hey, let's go get some fried chicken. I'll, I'll treat everybody to lunch. Let's go get some fried chicken. Uh, where's good near here? And there was a chain called Mrs. Winners that uh, there was a location nearby. And I said, Hey, they're pretty good. Let's go there. And so there was a long line at the drive through and we went inside to avoid that long line. And uh, as we walked up, the, the manager is running the register. And, uh, my dad stands there for several seconds and looks over the menu to make sure he's getting what, you know, the right size box of chicken and then he steps up to say to, to, to give his order to the manager and as soon as he opens his mouth the manager turns and says something mm-hmm. to an employee he's mm-hmm. dealing with something right and uh, and my dad just kind of waits for him and uh, and then the manager finished and he turned back and faced towards my dad my dad opens his mouth again and the manager turns and deals with something else with another employee and then um when he turns all the back, while still ignoring your dad, not the, taking yeah, the order. That's right. He's not taking the order. He's dealing and there's no other register open, just this one. And, um, so he's, uh, he's dealing, he's dealing with an employee. And then he finally turns and faces my dad and, uh, my dad opens his mouth to place the order. And then he turns to an employee who's standing near the counter and says, Hey, can you handle this? I got to go back and deal with something in my office. And he walks away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so he's ignored my dad twice and then blown him off to an, another wow. person. Right. And this little skinny, this little skinny kid with the big visor hanging on his head walks up to the register, says, "Can I help you, sir?" And my dad said, "Yeah, where's churches?" LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max show, and Mark, you you told a story about a, a fisherman, a guy at a bait shop or whatever. <laughs> yeah, my, dad, my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting because I thought, you know, we're taught to be fishers of men right you know, that's yeah. what uh, jesus and so whenever i see a fisherman's story that's what i think of you know yeah, yeah. and so a fisherman finds a gun uh-huh. all right and i don't know if you've ever watched uh youtube well boy that's stupid yeah <laughs> Come every, on, only every day dave yeah. <laughs> mark and youtube videos have you seen the guys that go magnet fishing using oh, magnets yeah. to fish yeah, yeah. yeah. okay okay because Whenever I'm watching this show, and I know you find interesting things, you take a big magnet on a chain, you throw a rope, and you throw it out there, and you drag it up and see what you can find. Yeah. But this guy, one guy that Braylon likes to watch, I'm not kidding, man. He makes it seem like everything he's going to find 
is Al Capone's vault I'm and just, it's full, you it's know, old treasure. Yes. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> you picked up three nails and a doorknob, you know, come on. <laughs> it's like, dude, really? That's not as exciting as your promo for this. That was the big find, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Every time I see somebody and not in a, in a magnet fishing video, but I've seen a handful of times where somebody's in one of their videos will say, have you seen these guys magnet fishing? And they decide to go magnet fishing. Right. Right. And so they go buy magnets and they go buy rope and they, Mm -hmm. they go to some like to a dam or, you know, to some lake somewhere and they're throwing this thing out there and pulling it back and they're coming back with nothing and nothing. Oh, I got something. I got something I got. And it's always like, it's always like that. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. screws, nails, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. And, it's, it's kind of like Halloween with Charlie Brown. Yeah, right. I got a rock. Yeah. You know, know. <laughs> oh, call the cops. Call the cops. <laughs> yeah. We need help. We got to turn this in. <laughs> All right. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So fisherman finds a gun. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Christopher Sacco. He's fighting a large fish. Well, he thought he was fighting a large fish. He'd already lost it once and he wasn't going to lose it again. When he finally got the reeled in the line. He realized he actually did have the catch of the day, but it wasn't a fish. It was an abandoned gun. 35-year-old Sacco was fishing off the shore of Fort DeSoto Park before noon Saturday when he reeled in a Publix plastic grocery bag. Inside the bag was a black revolver with a rock secured to it by some red and white twine. He said to his friend, you've got to be kidding me. And his friend looked over to him and said, he said, I found a gun. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and said, are you serious? And I said, he said, I'm like, bro, I found a freaking gun. So mm-hmm. he calls the Pinellas County Sheriff's office to report the gun. The Sheriff's office confirmed deputies responded to that call, uh, Saturday. And the officer who responded to the report called the situation. Well, that's a first. <laughs> wow. Then you're not watching the right YouTube videos. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> cause I see this every day, man. Yeah you imagine though you pull something in like that i mean it's obviously been thrown away mm-hmm. for a real reason yeah and you're gonna now you're gonna call the police and you're the first suspect you know <laughs> so you better make sure everything in your life is really above board because you know <laughs> just like the guy who burns the house down the firebug that goes back oh, to yeah. the scene to watch it yep. back to the scene of the crime here yep. you go mm-hmm. that but- your life better be just top notch. Listen, by the time the cops get through with uh, with Mr. Sacco, they're going to know how many fillings he has. Yeah. Mark and Mac mornings only on liferadio.fm. Liferadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And Mark, you know, uh, a little while ago, you and I were just talking about weather. Mm-hmm. And um, we living uh, where we do, we use pretty much the same weather guy uh his name's james fan oh he's everywhere and yeah if you're in the southeastern part of the u.s you probably are familiar with him uh we've had him on our show many many years and anyway i was just gonna look at the weather forecast i'm like oh is it gonna be cold you know what's it gonna be like and anyway while i'm on there i'm on their website okay yeah and they have a story link and it says this uh texans chairman this would be the Houston Texans, the NFL oh, team. Oh, okay. Texans chairman Cal McNair uses anti-Asian slur at team event. Huh. And I was like, wow, okay, what did he do, you know? Um, this is what it says. Houston Texans chairman and CEO Cal McNair made a racially insensitive comment at the team's charity golf tournament in May. Okay. Now, it is October now, by the way. Okay, uh-huh, but he yeah. made this comment back in May. And... Wow. 
when he made the comment at this golf tournament, it caused gasps in the audience and upset, upset numerous employees. McNair was addressing about a hundred people that were attending the Houston Texans foundation charity golf classic at river Oaks country club. He spoke into a microphone just outside the pro shop as participants gathered in their carts before leaving to tee off in a shotgun format. Okay. At the end of his brief remarks, now everybody's in their golf carts. Okay. Right. They're yeah. Just at the end of his remarks, according to two witnesses who asked to remain anonymous, McNair, whose family, by the way, has owned the Texans since they were founded in 1999, told the crowd, quote, I'm sorry that we couldn't get together last year because of the China virus. Yeah. That's the That's racially insensitive comment, wow. China virus. Wow. Now, as uh, McNair and his wife, Hannah, looked on, smirking some audience members were stunned by the reference to COVID-19 right which, you know everyone gasped one witness said everyone gasped especially the people directly across from him he and Hannah seemed to think it was hilarious it was dead silent now <laughs> he uh, had to apologize of course he said look right. my comments at the event last May included an inappropriate choice of words I immediately apologized to people who approached me then and I apologize again. Now I know how important it is to choose my words carefully. I would never want to offend anyone. Wow. Yeah. This has just exploded. Yeah. Okay. The China virus. Yeah. Well, let's just break that down. Mark, where did COVID-19 come from? Wuhan, China. So calling it a China virus, the China virus actually is geographically and truth and ac it's accurate it's accurate yeah yeah so he's having to apologize for something that's accurate and non-offensive i mean how is that offensive it's a virus from china it yeah. caused us to cancel our tournament last year it's caused the upset of the people around the world and you want to make this an issue for real yeah china virus what this is is the, I, it's the demonization of donald trump and everything he says because that's his term, the China yeah. virus. He's called, yeah. He called it the China virus. So now if anyone else uses that terminology, it is racist. I want to go why. back to the movie uh, that was the prequel to Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you know, they did a sequel later on, but they actually did a prequel. Yes. Okay, the prequel did not include Jim Carrey and Gary uh, right, and, yeah, and the yeah. other guy, uh, Jeff Daniels. They right. actually had two other guys who played uh, Harry and Lloyd as, young, as high school students. Uh -huh. Okay? And in the, that movie... Oh they're speaking to an Asian student and, uh, you know, one of the guys, Lloyd says to Harry, Hey, she's, you know, doesn't understand what you're saying, you know? And he looks over and he says, ching, chong, ching, yeah. ching, chong, a day. Okay. Right, yeah. Now I want to know who wrote that. I want to know who wrote it. I want to know who directed it. I want to know which company put that because we should now have an apology from all of them. Right. And by the way, that entire company should resign their profits and give them to some charity that you and I create. And we should never see another fit. You know, that's where this cancel culture has to go that far. How can that be okay? But what he calls a China virus is not. Mm. I want to know. I wow. want you to explain it. Welcome to 2021 where everything, everything is racist. liferadio.fm it is the market mag show and you know we appreciate you joining us we ask that you share it with a friend neighbor whatever you know again halloween coming up if you could make uh, you know what well, we got to have a make your own bumper sticker or make your own sticker uh, 
contest, you know, and really? hand them out at Halloween. Instead okay. of handing out old candy and garbage like hand out Mark and Mag show stickers. That's what you really need to do, you know. What did you get? Or actually, I got a sticker. <laughs> nah, get M&Ms. Take your M&Ms and say, here, you know. Yeah. Remember the first time they did that? It was like our, our first event where we actually, like, we need to have something to give out. Hey, let's use M&M's. We'll throw M&M's. Yeah, they're not ripping that off. Mark and Mac. <laughs> All right. Mark, what is the rattiest city in the United States oh of America? Oh, my gosh. You know what? If I were to bet what the rattiest city, what would you think? I, I think New York. I would think New York, actually. Of the top 50 cities across the U.S., ranked by Orkin, you know, the pest control people, uh-huh. in the 2021 rattiest cities list, the top five locations remained the same as last year. Uh-huh. That would have been Chicago, number one. Uh, yeah. Wow, not New York? No. Los Angeles is number hmm. two. Wow. Number three is New York. Okay. Number four is Washington, D.C., and a lot of those rats are very tall, very yeah. tall. Uh, number five is San Francisco. That's the top five. Rounding wow. out the top ten, number six is Baltimore. Number seven is Philadelphia. Number eight is Detroit. Nine is Denver, Colorado. And ten is Cleveland. Only one that surprises me is Denver. Yeah, yeah. But they've become so liberal now, I oh, guess I, know, I yeah. get it. And, and that hmm. was just what I was looking back over this. And, I, and it looks like I do believe every last one of these are all Democratic-controlled cities. Yeah. yeah. In Democrat-controlled states. I did think New York would be number one, though. Yeah. I didn't think Chicago. Did yeah. You know what's so funny is Chicago gets referred to as the Windy City. Uh-huh. And people don't realize it has nothing to do with wind. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I, I'm scared to ask, but no, it's why political. then? Oh, is it political? It goes, yeah, it goes back to the, uh, you know, the origin of our country getting together and, you know, it was somewhere in the 1800s where they were talking about the politicians that came out of Chicago were just filled with hot air. You know, they just talked to that on much. And so it got referred to as the windy city. Where oh, it came from. Okay. Well, then Me and Cliff Cleveland were in that same day's class, I think. And, you know, <laughs> I thought it might've been because of those tall rats that are in DC now. Maybe. The- <laughs> oh, so Orkin ranked the cities, right? Yeah, they and, did. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking Orkin, I, Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I mean, how do you, when you got rats all over a city, I mean, <laughs> don't you need something a little bigger than Orkin, you know, to come and fix this thing? Yeah, but tactical nukes are frowned upon. Yeah, okay. Well, wow. What about alligators? Don't they have gators in the sewers in New York? And Not that far north. But okay. uh, if we could somehow uh, work on insulating or something, find some way to, to, to freeze-proof the gator, yeah. that's your solution right there. Mm-hmm. But then again, when they when they eat all the rats and come out of the sewers for the people, I've seen that movie and it doesn't end well. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show. Mark, there's a town called Moorhead City, North Carolina. Right. Okay. Yeah. It is the home of the Bald Association of America. Okay? Moorhead. Yeah, yeah. Moorhead. I'm not kidding. I actually was there working at this radio station back in the day, and I'm not kidding. I actually was driving down Arundel Street, and there's a little cutoff, right, where you can go to the left, and right there is this small printing shop, and it had Bald Men of America, okay? <laughs> and I saw that sign. It's like, that's the headquarters. It's this small little print shop, and I'm thinking about them bald head i didn't know there was one and then it hit me i'm in more head where else would you expect it to be you know it just cracks you up just one of those things so whenever i see something that has to do with like germany's annual moustache and beard olympics yes i'm thinking well 
where does Moorhead fit into this? Because the bald guy's <laughs> got to have something, you know? Well, when the hair slips off of the top of your head, you better let it hang on to the bottom of your head. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> Rather it turn gray than turn loose. That's right. Uh, competitors from all around the world came to Germany to take part in a beard Olympics and German beard championships for a facial hair face-off so to speak. Some 100 men be, uh, bearing beards and mustaches attended the contest in aging uh, IMC in lower Bavaria. The uh, competitors from the Netherlands, Australia, Italy, Switzerland, and Israel, as well as Germany, all took part. The men were able to show off their whiskers in a range of categories to a jury of seven trained hairdressers and barbers, including uh, Dali, Musketeer, and Natural for those who didn't use any styling products. They were assessed on both density and length. The competition was hosted by the East Bavarian Beard and Mustache Club. The Beard Olympics is open to all but those throwing their hat into the ring for the German championship needed to be residents or at least members of the club. So you got to live there, right? Uh, the Let's see, the club president, Christian uh, Feicht, says... Uh, uh, beard care is actually the most important thing. The uh, more material you have, the more you have to style. I'm still stuck on, they were assessed on both density and <laughs> density length. Because I'm thinking, was there somebody going, you're my density. I mean, <laughs> destiny. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show as we cruising along, singing a song, getting ready for our uh, Halloween trip around the neighborhood to get Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> I'm wondering what I'm going to dress up as this year. Really? You know? Well, last year I went as the, you know, dressed up like Paw Paw. Oh, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. this year I'll dress up like Papa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind uh, uh, spelling out the differences between yeah. the two? P-A-W-P-A-W-P-O-P-P-A. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Actually, Braylon, Braylon thinks I'm more suited to be Stinky Pete. You know, well, I guess that's why they call me Stinky Pete. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Anyhow, Hong Kong bus company lulls passengers to sleep. Now, uh -huh. I have to admit, the first thing I thought of when I saw Hong Kong, I thought King Kong. Did there you, you go. Yes, I, I did. I, I, I thought, How bad is that? I thought Hong Kong fooey myself. But a Hong Kong tour company is offering a unique solution to help stressed out passengers get some rest. It's a five-hour bus ride to nowhere. For ah. those who find they get their most restful sleep to the sounds and motions of the road, Ulu Travel is offering tickets to the longest bus route in Hong Kong, traveling wow. 47 miles around uh, the uh, Tuen Mun Highway, North Lantau Island, on the uninterrupted sleeping bus. Passengers can choose among four types of cabins on the double-decker bus, with tickets prices ranging from 13 to 51 bucks. The itinerary offers a food coma lunch and stops at various scenic sites and drop-off locations. Passengers meet at a restaurant for a two-course Western meal before boarding the bus to start sleeping. Stops include Ho Wo Street, Butterfly Beach, Tuan Mun Chek Lap Kok Tunnel, and... Inspiration Lake. The sleeping bus tour was sold out for its inaugural trip this past Saturday. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm guessing they take a trip around all the ghost cities, you know, <laughs> where they, they must. The government put everybody to work, you know, and then they didn't have, they're all under occupied now. It takes cities, some the malls. five hours to go 47 miles. Yeah. Well, 
You could walk it. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty fast uh, bus ride. Have you ever taken one on Trailways or Greyhound? They stop in every nook and cranny. Used yeah. to be a joke with me and Joe. How do you make a How do you make a three hour trip a twelve hour trip? <laughs> Go Greyhound. <laughs> radio.fm Mark and Mac show and you know Mark you and I haven't talked about this lately but there have been a couple of diversions we've talked about on there about going back to Disney you mm-hmm. know and we made that one trip back in the day with the show oh, yeah. and very very cool you know we um, were able to broadcast from the Disney studios in Orlando <sighs> and um, it was neat because they they really do go all out you know yeah, and they had do. our they had it was very comfortable and they went out of their way to make sure you were taken care of <laughs> And it was cool because I noticed, you know, while we were there in the morning, Hannity was doing his show in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it was just a lot of fun to experience that. But they put us, and I don't know the names of all these, okay? But oh, I know yeah. that when we stayed there, it was at the Pop Century. Right. The and Value we, Resort, yeah. Okay, that's what that was, the Value? Okay, yeah, that's the cheap resort. Yeah. It was fine. You yeah. know, there was not a, I have, me and my, my kids were all young, but it was perfectly adequate the room was comfortable you know it, it was it, it you're not going to disney to spend time in the room you're going to disney right. to go to the park exactly and yeah it was uh, it was a wonderful nice clean stay i had no problems with it right um but that's when i th- i didn't know the varying stages here of, of what they have and mark was telling me later on because when we first announced we were going a couple of folks reached out to us that had become disney people right and um they are not that dissimilar from clown people except with Disney people, you don't want to throw them off the balcony, you know, <laughs> un- unless you know they can land safely. But we had uh, a couple of folks, but one in particular had created a notebook. Yeah. And he had become very attached to the Disney Orlando experience. Right. And yeah. uh, he came in and Mark and Jane kind of became that, too. You guys became, I would say, experts at the field. You know, of if I was if I was telling somebody about their first trip to Disney World okay, yeah. in Orlando, yeah. I would say, yes, I've been there, but here's who you really need to talk to, you know? Right, yeah. Because there are different levels of staying. You mentioned that we stayed at the economy thing when we were there. Right. But there are levels up. Like, I don't know what they cost now, but let's just say that the bottom is 100 and they go up to 1,000. I mean, you can stay in luxury, right? Yeah, you, you really can. I, I like uh, where we stayed. Back then, that room was like 79 bucks a night. Right. Right. It's $162 a night now. Okay. It's literally twice what it cost when sure. we went that, but that, that was a long, sense. that was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I have stayed, you know, Mark, I bought a brand new car back in 1982. <laughs> I you know. know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Hey, just look, it won't be long for you'll pay $2,000 for an automobile, but I'll never pay that. <laughs> that's right. I'll walk yeah, that's right. But I've stayed if in, you think uh, I'm, if you think I'm paying 40 cents for a gallon of gas, you are sadly mistaken. That's right. Yeah. But I've stayed at pop century a couple of times and I've stayed at moderate hotels for uh, a couple of times or uh, oh, hey let me ask than, you quickly yeah. you mentioned something staying off property versus staying on property and by the way if you're planning an excursion to disney and i hope you do if you've got young children make sure they're old enough that you don't have to worry about them you know mm-hmm. in terms of make sure they're going to have great memories there and really yeah. plan your trip there's so much to do if you don't plan it you're going to waste your time yeah but there is the issue of do you stay on property or off property uh, um, having gone there and stayed on property, I loved the convenience of the busing and all that, you know, yeah. I thought that was really cool, Mark, but you've mentioned you've stayed off uh, property a few times too, yeah, right? Yeah, we have usually What's better. We, well, it costs a lot less. You can look for deals and you can find, a, um, you can find 
equal quality for a lot less money if you shop as far as staying at the room and what about convenience though getting uh, to the park it's really not that it's not that far they've got signs you can use your gp actually use your gps if you're on property to get directions because yeah the signs on the on property at disney are set up to manage traffic flow not get you there mm-hmm. the fastest way oh <laughs> how cool is that yeah so but what about you know do you have to pay for parking uh yes you do you have to pay for parking whether you're on property or off property now. It used to be that the parking was included with your hotel stay, but now yeah. it's anywhere from 15 to $25 a day. Why? Yeah. And you're staying on property. And so you, yes. Yeah. Whoa, man. Yeah. The only people who don't have to do that are Disney Vacation Club timeshare uh, okay. owners. That's. But what that's if you're it, like yeah. staying, let's say Pop Century, because that's what I'm familiar with. But yeah. so I we drive down there, you know, we pull out the old, uh, uh, truckster yeah we show up we check in we're at pop century now our car is going to be here for the next five days in the same spot because we're going to use the buses yeah do i have to pay for that in that parking lot yeah you do have to pay for parking whoa man that's mad okay that that makes me a little upset well that's another that's another 15 to uh, i think at pop century that level is like 15 dollars a day and so there you go you've got you know just add it up do the math yeah, um, and if you drive to the park, you know, instead of taking the bus, you're gonna have to park there too. Yeah, and you're okay, still anyway. going to pay that amount of money again. Yeah, right. So it's it doesn't matter. So staying off, okay. yeah, staying off property doesn't make that big of a deal then. No, it doesn't. And if you know okay. your way around, uh, and like we do because we've been there so many times, it's not that big a deal. You can just it takes it may take you just a little bit. Well, let's put it this way: if you stay off property, you can probably get to the park faster than if you ride the park buses because How funny because the buses stop at every hotel between wherever you are and the park you're going to well hey let me ask you this because you see um if you go online and look for discount coupons and things like that uh-uh. uh that most of the discount <laughs> things are off-site hotels yeah. and things like that and deals they put together right yeah are some of those legitimately good deals or they just sound like it i, I would do your homework okay you know i do your homework read reviews stuff like that because i i have run into that situation where i thought wow this is a screaming hot deal uh um, right. you know 69 dollars a night at this place yeah. it looks great and then you start reading the reviews and you go ooh, mold ooh, <laughs> the single cock- wide ooh, made in 1982 cockroaches ooh, mice ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, <laughs> it survived you know. hurricane andrew yeah that's right yeah so okay. it, it, some of them are pretty grim trust me they're pretty grim but staying off property is a better value sometimes you can uh actually get a good deal you can get a good deal um uh buying or renting dvc or timeshare points from a dvc a dvc owner and there are places that do that you can go online and and search for that and you can get uh, a pretty decent place really really close to the parks actually in walking distance in some cases uh for not a whole heck of a lot of money if you're not staying on a weekend day but mm-hmm. if you stay on a weekend day whew, get out the kleenex because you're going to get a nosebleed because those <laughs> prices are really high it's expensive to go there, but it, it is. is. Yeah. Uh, now, they're doing their 50th anniversary, right? Isn't right. that going on yeah. now? It's going on now for the next 18 months. Yeah. So they're going to celebrate it for over a year. I yeah, love it. Are. Yeah. <laughs> and I was there. Uh, my family was there during that first year because wow. uh, they opened in an oct- October of 71, and we were there in the summer of 72. And, wow. Uh, and uh, so uh, our trip that we're planning now will be kind of a 50th anniversary for me as well for my first trip ever there. But one thing we wow. are one thing we are learning is that planning is key. Planning is essential. And Disney has jumped on that with both feet. And they've now added the Disney, the Disney genie function to their to their uh, app. And uh, it helps you plot your trip. And and you can even uh, 
Wow, you can even pay to get on the new hot rides in advance. You can pay in advance to get on the new hot rides and uh, and basically skip the line. It's Man. it's a different system altogether. Some people hate it. Other people love it. The jury's out for me. I, uh, we're going to check it out in January and see what it looks like. LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show. You know, we were talking about Disney a few minutes ago, <laughs> yeah. and I just want to throw one last little thing out. It is a wonderful trip. It uh, is. Disney World. I'm talking about Disney World Orlando. Um, I know that growing up in Southern California, the only time we went to anything like that was when we had family or friends from out of town that mm-hmm. were visiting, and then we would do a Disney day or whatever. Right. Um, it was much different, though, you know. When I went to Disney Orlando and saw the Magic Kingdom, that was pretty cool because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was what reminded me of Disneyland. Yeah. But there's so much else going on that if you don't plan, you'll regret it because That's you'll true. get lost. It really is. There's so much there. It's it. it you really need to plan. And, I, and if you have yeah. a family and you don't plan, you're going to regret it and you're going to spend too much money. That's so true. Plan ahead. Yeah. Now, yeah, there are lots of great resources also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look up. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you one. This is one of many. Uh, Disneyfoodblog.com. It's the words Disney and food and blog. Run them all together. Dot com. Okay. Uh, they do. Th- their focus is on food in the parks, but they also do reviews of the rides of uh, they, they do every day. They do emails about what's changed and such. And it's it's a great resource if you're planning a trip. Just to look into it, DisneyFoodBlog.com. All right. All right. Now, Mark, there are things that we use with our computers yep. and our uh, different websites. Now, um, I, when we say computers now, it's kind of all-inclusive of phones, <laughs> tablets, yeah. and everything else. True, yeah. Everything requires a password. Everything. And my smart TV requires a password, you know? True, yeah. And I'm like, when did my TV get smarter than me? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it used to be you turned it on and you felt like I am master of my own domain. That's I right. can do whatever I want with this. Where's my kid? I lost the batteries for the remote, so <laughs> you get to be the remote today. Yes. All that's gone. If yep. you don't have the remote, trying to figure out how to manually turn that thing on, oh, that's gosh, a beast. But anyway. Now yeah. we find out that one in three of us write down our password. Yeah. Stop and think about that. There's a study that found that one in three people actually write your, their passwords down. It also found that companies' attempts to tighten computer security by regularly changing passwords and making them more complex by adding numbers as well as letters has had no <clears> impact <throat> on security. Wow. Uh, staff still had a tendency to jot down their passwords either on a piece of paper or in a text file on a computer or a mobile device. <laughs> and I have seen that happen so many times where I will go, I'll go into somebody's office and say, Hey, I'm trying to log into this to get credit cards to work on this website. And he'll say, okay, well, and he'll reach in his desk drawer or reach into a file folder and pull out a scrap of paper. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I wrote, I just changed them not long ago and wrote them down. Here they are. Right. There you go. So they've got them written down somewhere. And Remember, I, I actually keep, I have a, um, I have a couple of, uh, of places that I actually store passwords on that uh, <laughs> that I access from time to time that I have to remember Ferris Bueller's day off. He gets, you know, he does something to get sent to the principal's office yeah, and it's so he can get the password for yeah. their computer. Yes, yes. And it's right there. You just pull it out and there, and you've got all these passwords that have been crossed out and here's today's word. Right, yes. And he goes home, <laughs> logs in and changes his grades. Yes. I remember now, that. Think about that was in the early eighties. Okay. Yep. yep. And, there, yeah, I guess I, it was it was no, that was war games, not Ferris. Oh, Bueller, that's right. But it was war games. Anyway, yeah. Well, but I, what do you, it doesn't matter. High school kid figures yeah. out the passwords. True, 
and uh, nowadays uh, your computer well in the in the apple world um you uh, it will prompt you to to let them set a password a strong password and then it will remember it in what's called your keychain you know like you've uh-huh. got a, a keychain with all the different things that unlock things for you and it'll remember it in your keychain so across all of your apple devices it's remembering your passwords for you and then in order to get to that you have to have a master system password and that's where things get iffy Mm. because if anybody can guess your master system password which might be i don't know password you know yeah (laughs) like some people or they just name it after what's whatever's on their desk like like a coffee cup or something like that. Right. Yes. And, huh. and the, the, if they can guess that, then they're into everything. I mean, everything. Yeah. So anyway, you look at it, passwords are crazy and you need them to keep yourself, you know, mm-hmm. set. I know that when, um, my iPhone wanted my thumbprint, you know, yeah. that was, that was kind of unique and different. Right. But the thing is, even if you don't have that, it gives you the numerical thing. You know, you can type it in. Yes. And, uh, anyway, so I thought, well, Okay, so my thumbprint really doesn't need to be there, you know? Mm, yeah. If anybody could just get in and start punching numbers, well, there you go. Yeah. I thought that was going to be the secure function was yeah. my thumbprint, you know? Well, then there's, but, the, yeah, when they're the same with Face ID, you know, where it recognizes your face and unlocks yeah. for you. And the, and the, it, it's, it's still true. It's either Face ID or your ID or your, your pass key, pass code. Right. Right. Another great product is, uh, is something called LastPass which is a great password generator and uh, file, and it's extremely secure. So if you're mm-hmm. looking for a place to keep your passwords because you have a lot of trouble remembering them, and who doesn't nowadays because you have to keep changing them, then something like LastPass is a great tool. So I recommend that. All right, so I should basically take down the clipboard that has my password of the day right here, right? I should move Prob- that. You probably should, yeah. liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show at least i think that's what we are i'm not really sure i'm still trying to figure this one out i'm lost mark i'm lost (laughs) all right so men posing with dogs on dating apps are more likely to settle down with a partner right this sounds like something right out of big bang theory with (laughs) Raj and his dog and i'm gonna tell you that (laughs) yeah that's questionable but yeah and here's another thing if you're on dating apps um that's that's kind of also questionable, especially well, if you're a listener to this station of this show. Odds are you've got a social circle <laughs> at church, but the dating apps are are kind of strange. I know people who've had success with them. I, I do, really? but yeah, like my you know. Well, anyway, that's that's personal stuff. I won't get into, but but I do know people who've had success with them. Not many. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a second. I know one person who had success with it. <laughs> You know, there was a TV show, uh, Twilight Zone episode with Wally Cox, where yeah. he had a computer dating thing. Really? Back in the yeah. Now the computer was the size of my living room, but uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it did. It punched out a card, and you know, and the whole thing. It was right there. You match him up was, with what? the perfect person. Mm-hmm. See? There you have it. And the problem with that is that people don't tell the truth on those applications. Well, Mark, now you know everybody <laughs> online tells the truth about Absolutely. everything. Yes, I read that agreement. Uh, yeah. uh, if you're on a dating app looking for a long-term relationship, you might be barking up the wrong tree. Ba-dum-bum. But if you're commitment-minded uh, and looking for love in the digital age, there might be a way to increase your chances. Simply post a pic with a four-legged friend. Marianne Fisher, who is an evolutionary psychologist... 
I, I seriously, <laughs> from St. Mary's University in Canada, recently analyzed 750 dating profiles of guys and gals. She asked participants if they were more interested in short-term, no-strings-attached connections or looking for a partner to settle down with. Her findings, which were published in the journal Evolutionary Psychological Science, indicated that 8 out of 10 men in the market for a steady girlfriend had a photo featuring dogs on their profile. That's in contrast to men not interested in long-term relationships. Only five of every ten of those men included a pup in their picks. Those dudes, perhaps, unsurprisingly, promoted their chests, motorcycles, (laughs) boats, and big fish they caught in their photos. Mm -hmm. Fisher's interpretation of the findings was that when single men... Uh, single women see a potential mate caring for a canine companion, they subconsciously assume he's trustworthy and responsible. (laughs) She says, keeping a dog alive is a huge investment. It's an investment financially, but also you have to walk it and care for it and keep, keep something alive by showing these pictures. Perhaps they're thinking, okay, women, you'll see these and infer that I'm willing to do the same thing in our relationship. I'll walk you like a dog in the park. Uh huh. That said, there's also an emerging trend in the online dating world called dog fishing, in which dudes find furry friends to insert in their photos as a way to entice women, even if they're not actual pet owners themselves. Wow. The moral of the story, uh, or the study, that is, is if you have a dog, it can't hurt your dating app profile to include your pup and your pics. But if you're tempted to pull a bait and switch by featuring a pooch that isn't yours... Don't do that. Women who truly love dogs will expect you to, well, pony up and bring your pup along on a date, and then you'll have some serious explaining to do when the dog runs off and doesn't answer mm-hmm. answer by the name because you can't remember it. <laughs> hey, Ralph, Fred. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah? I don't know. It's the whole yeah. dating app situation. Yeah. Hey, again, you know, there's certain things that... Uh, you... Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. I just... Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I, I can't imagine it just because of age. I mean, you mm, get to a yeah. certain age in life and I know, yeah. you know, it, it's like, there are things that happen now that, uh, within the young people, young sphere that and would be foreign people. to us, you know, mm, it just yeah. would be, it would not be. And, and what we would talk about, you know, to them about what we used to do would be just panic. They would freak out, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, you guys did what? Yeah, you, exactly. Huh? It's kind of like Back to the Future when Marty gets in the car with his mom and she's drinking and smoking and it's like, <laughs> what? You know, that's kind of the thing. You know? Uh-huh, yeah. And this this whole scenario sounds like, does sound like something out of Big Bang Theory. It sounds like something out of a out of a yeah. sitcom plot, you know, where you, you use somebody else's dog to post on your pictures and, and it comes back to <laughs> bite you <Yeah>. later. But I'm bummed. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark it would not be a mark and mac show on liferadio.fm if there wasn't some kind of guinness book of world Records story Woo-hoo! <laughs> a restaurant manager in britain has broken a guinness world record by arranging chairs into a stack that reached 17 feet high now anybody who has worked around a church for any amount of time has stacked them some chairs you know what i mean a 17-foot-high t- stack of chairs is really an accomplishment. Mark, 
stack chairs, ate hot dogs and pizza. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Youth work. Uh-huh. <laughs> Guinness confirmed that Jay Ason, he's 37, broke the world record with his stack of chairs outside the Bob Esalam Banqueting Hall in the Cheatham Hill area of Manchester, England, where he works as a manager. Eason's stack broke the previous record of 15 and a half feet. He says, stacking the chairs can be very dangerous. It was important. We picked a day when there was when the wind was very light, so they didn't blow over. People should not try to do this unless they're very experienced and confident in what they're doing. He said Guinness gave him rules for following during the attempt. He said uh, the chairs are not allowed to touch the ladder, but if they collapse in the direction of the ladder, somebody could get hurt. I had uh, three practice attempts before making the official world record attempt on the fourth go. The record attempt. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Three practice attempts, meaning he's trying to set the record and he keeps failing. And they're like, all right, guy, (laughs) been here for three hours. We're going to give you one more shot and we're out of (laughs) here. That's how it translates. Yeah. Yeah. The record attempt raised nearly $2,000 for charities that help the homeless. He says, my aim is to set an example and inspire the younger generation to do, uh, to, to have some social responsibility. It's important for those of us who have to help out the have nots, particularly when there is a global pandemic. Oh yeah. got to yeah. throw that in there. Right. Yeah. He's it's previously, the children. yeah, he's previously <laughs> held a Guinness record when he created a two and a half, a 2.2 foot stack of tortillas in 2018. <laughs> yeah. That record's been broken <laughs> last weekend at my house. I was thinking of the same thing, man. 2.2 foot stack yeah. of tortillas. That's a pretty big stack of little thin paper, thin things, you know? So let me get this right. His ex- he says, my aim is to set an example and inspire the younger generation to have some social responsibility. So inspiring the younger generation to stack chairs to dangerous heights, which could result in injury or death, is socially responsible. Right. It could cut down on the number of people who are homeless in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Begin your day with a smile. The Mark and Mac Show, weekday mornings. Only on LifeRadio.fm. 